sure they prepare. I'm sure there's there, there there has to go there has to be a lot of preparation to make it look that spontaneous. It's because they're always thinking. I must always. be always thinking, thinking about something. Welcome to wherever you are. My name is Ryan McNeil, Toronto, Canada. You are listening to episode 171 of the Matinee Cast. It's the movie loving podcast of my movie loving website, thematinee.ca. Your home for cinematic passion and perspective. Dear listener, I have been taxing on your time. I have been greatly demanding. You have been taxing. <laughs> on your on your ears and your attention over the last few episodes. Um, you know, this is what happens when a guy takes like six weeks or so away from his show. He feels like he has to compensate and, uh, and, and give you long episode after long episode. So this is my very long-winded way of saying that I'm actually hoping that today's episode comes in <laughs> slightly under the wire and that giggle that you hear is my guest knowing that that just ain't gonna happen. Um, my guest today is a longtime friend of the show. Um, you know, man about town here in Toronto on the uh, <laughs> one-time proprietor of the somewhat defunct Eternal Sunshine of the Logical Mind. Um, and we love him dearly, and we always love when he comes on the show. Uh, Bob Turnbull is here. How are you, Bob Turnbull? Uh, warming up. I'm good. It's I'm brisk good. out there, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The wind is whipping pretty well. I was I, I was caught unawares today. I just had like I was feeling all all tough, all all Canadian, all early and i was like i'm just gonna throw on a fleece yeah that, that, we cured that pretty quickly didn't we well no i wore my fleece and paid for it dearly so if i have a cold by the time this episode drops we know why excellent uh we're gonna do a few different things today uh, folks we are gonna talk about tony erdman which is a 2016 release it's up for best foreign film in a couple weeks at the oscars it's kind of still making the rounds now on the art house circuit um as much as i want to talk about the lego movie or 50 shades darker you want to talk about that Sorta, not real. I don't want to pay for it, but I. But to I, be fair, I haven't seen it, nor have I seen the previous movie, I, nor have no, I read the book. No, but. again, like no, no, and no. But I believe there's like just in a in a human interest way. There's, there's something be, to be said. something to talk about. Yeah. Um, but what we are going to do first is actually bring in a new segment instead of know your enemy because Bob is getting very long in the tooth where uh, guests are concerned. You are the second. Many other ways too. Uh, yeah. Very very repeat guests in a row here. Um, we're going to introduce a new segment and it's a segment that I hope people enjoy uh, because Lord knows people enjoy saying it. Um, new segment. It's called Ryan is wrong. Bob, I basically gave you carte blanche. You've you've known me for uh, about eight or nine years now. We have closing in a decade, actually. Yeah, closing yeah. in there, man. We have argued many a time over many a beer, and you have taken me to task multiple times, rightly so, about why I was wrong. So I, I thought I'd give you a chance to to basically take over my show and <laughs> tell my audience how completely misled I am. On, on any topic of your choosing. And if only you would give me a little bit more time to pick from the many, many instances where well, you have well, been. Well, you're the guinea pig, so if it goes well, you know, the next person will have <laughs> lots of time to pick something. Oh, I know people right now are scribbling down numerous, numerous ideas. Um, there was two that I, that I thought of amongst the many. Um, one is from this year. Uh, not that we are diametrically opposed on this movie, but it is my favorite movie of the year. Okay. Um, Everybody wants some. Mm -hmm. And you like it. I like it a lot, but... You liked it. There's a but. There, there's a big but there in there. Um, actually, maybe there weren't enough big butts in there for you. Um, I, I think part of your issue was that not only was it... You didn't, I don't think, feel like it went anywhere, but there was only a single female character in it. Mm -hmm. Which I do tend to agree, but I think you're missing out, in my humble opinion... Right. on some of the many wonderful things of that movie. And it's not just the comedy or the fact that it's a hangout movie or these guys are cool. It's the fact, there's two things actually. One is that there is no major crisis in the movie. There's no second act turning point. And that for me was incredibly refreshing because at some point in the movie you're like, oh, oh, nothing terrible is going to happen. And they're just going to go from one experience to another and just experience three, four, five days as a bunch of people getting to know each other and experiencing things. That's awesome. So I, I love that about the movie, but most importantly was that it's, um, it basically speaks to, and actually it ties in a bit to Tony Erdman, allowing things to happen around you and going with it. 
Sure. And following your passion through those different routes that just pop up and not blocking them out. And I thought that was absolutely a wonderful way. And Richard Linklater does tend to lean a little philosophical sometimes. <laughs> so there's a few characters that say things where you go like, I don't think an 18-year-old would say that. <laughs> yeah. But regardless, it, it, it really it was one of the few things I wrote about this year because I felt very passionately about the movie as well. And I think in your review, um, I can fully understand somebody coming at it and saying, yeah, I didn't enjoy that movie. I felt like you kind of glossed over that or it didn't resonate with you in that respect. And you focused on the fact, at least one of the things you focused on was that there was only one single female character. She was a great one, yeah. but there's only one of her. And admittedly, yeah, you are right. That's an issue with many movies these days, but I can't hold this one to task because of that. I, where I think that came in for me is this movie is very, very much a companion piece to uh, Days and Confused. Right, so like just in the in the selling of it, in the look of it, in the the era itself, it really kind of feels like Mitch from Days and Confused. Three years later, he's off to college, and he, you know he is a baseball player in Days and Confused, so of course he's on a baseball scholarship and hanging out with other baseball players. So it, it they they really go one and one a. I, I really think that if you watch those two movies together, that you you have a nice little match set. Um, how you know the soundtrack too? They both have like quirky soundtracks that go. Oh, for sure, yeah. There's what about five, six, seven years apart? Yeah, early '80s, I think. Yeah, yeah. But it, so, so, so it's really great in that respect. But in Days and Confused, as you know, as much as that too is a very dude-centric movie, there is a lot of time spent with the women too. Like, there's a sure. lot of time spent with Parker Posey and with uh, Joey Lauren Adams and with, you know, the, the juvenile actress, I can't remember what her name is, but she, you know, she and Mitch have a lot of conversations together and you get high school you get like late 1970s high school from both sides, not quite in equal measure, but not bad from, from both sides of it. And that was what it was for me with, um, with everybody wants some is, yeah, the college freshman experience is, is really, really something to be remembered and something that just happens, even if there's not a crisis. The crisis might be that one player gets kicked off the baseball team. The, for me, the big thing was we're spending so much time with these dudes, and the second that girl shows up in the last act, it's like a whole lot of oxygen just gets let into this movie. It's like that in life, right? You, you, If you've got a, a office full of dudes and you introduce one woman, the dynamic changes so much and I wanted more of that. Now, where you could say I am wrong, and I will totally cop to it, is I'm talking about the movie I want versus the movie I saw. And I think that's a fair statement, actually, because, yeah, I could see how the marketing and the other assumptions can lead to, oh, this is a sequel or a companion piece to Days Confused. Yeah, it's, uh, like I said, five, six years later, there's baseball, and it's, and it's not at its center, but in there. But it's not. And... I get how expectation can certainly set the tone for how you watch a movie, but you can't let it override that because it's not that movie. It's no, something but, very but different. all the same, it's, I mean, it's, it's the, it's this, this guy's first year of college. How is it going? Granted, it's, it's mostly set over one weekend, Yeah. but how did it go that far with no women around? Come on, you you're going to tell me. That oh no, just... no, no! They're around, as you can see from like the, what, the first night and the second night. The different. They're around. They don't have lines. Or they don't have more than two lines. Because it's not about. Or that. after and I'm doing okay. You can absolutely. If you had a movie that did actually like that experience across the woman and the men, yeah, that would have been good too. But that's not this movie. It is about these guys. But that's what holds this movie back. I don't think so. Okay. I, I I agree. This is where I'm wrong. You. Yes, um, <laughs> that that one female character is great. Uh, actress is fantastic too. I unfortunately forget her name now. Um, I shouldn't. Um, she does actually breathe a different, uh, um, I guess, a bit of fresh air into the movie. But I don't. For me, it didn't negate or slow down or change anything that followed. One of the earlier scenes in the movie, which really really loved, is when this guy is now the whole bunch of jocks. You know, they're all baseball players and they're walking down the street and his old buddy sees him and says, hey, dude. And this guy is now like a punk. Totally, totally different. Right. The guy doesn't even bat an eye. He embraces him, invites his buddies in, just goes with it. And I thought that was so counter and different than you'd normally see in these kind of movies where like, oh, yeah, uh, this is a guy I once knew and, you know, he tries to distance himself. Doesn't happen. They just roll with it. And 
I, I love that. That really, if I may say, spoke to me. I, I think that was a fantastic thing. That to could movie. be like I mean, like that. That could be the difference here. Is that is you know we're we're talking about something that's a little bit more in your wheelhouse than it is in mine. Um, but it, it was your wheelhouse is wrong. Well, it could be Zoe Dutch. By the way, is the woman that That's you're right. yeah. trying to come up with? And I mean, like, okay, I'm looking at the poster right now, and Zoe Dutch is is in this poster, hanging off the main character's arm, like just you know, like right in the pile, like and and. It's not the movie's fault. That's that's the no. Marketing. That's the way it's sold. So that's not the movie's fault. Oh, no, no, you cannot blame the movie for the I way it's sold. I can blame the movie no, for the way can. it's sold. You can blame your expectations. It's just like you've, we've all seen bad trailers, or yes. hideous trailers, or trailers that give away a movie. Right. That can ruin your expectations. Sure. It can even ruin your experience. To be honest, it doesn't make the movie any worse. No, I mean, you know, like a lot of things here. We're talking about, you know, we, we talked before we started rolling here. We talked about, you know, your son's report card and how it's kind of graded on a bit of a curve. Um, and yet it's still awesome. And yet it's still awesome. <laughs> and that's the thing is that you know all of these all of these hiccups that I'm talking about with um, everybody wants some. They are graded on a curve. They're graded on the curve of it's a Linklater movie as a start as a starting point. But at least that's. Kind of a that's kind of its own little track of where does it rank in, in the scope of a Linklater movie. A an okay Linklater movie is still Fantastic. miles ahead of a really great Kevin Smith movie, as a for instance for me. Same for me actually. I okay, right. agree. But, um, but this is in my mind much more than just an okay Linklater movie. So what you're saying is Ryan is wrong. Absolutely. freaking Lily. <laughs> there we go. Hope you enjoy that segment, folks. And if you want to come and, on, and if and tell you didn't, me, just just blame me. Yeah, I was gonna okay. say, just skip ahead to Tony Erdman. So we're gonna go ahead to the new slang, but kind of like what we did with Silence a few weeks ago, we are gonna do something a little bit special with this uh, review this week. Um, where it comes to Tony Erdman, there's a scene that happens late in this movie that I really want to talk about, but I feel like if you haven't seen this movie, you're not gonna want to hear about this. So we are gonna do our full and complete discussion. Uh, you know, go ahead with the uh, the souvenir and the rating at the end of the segment. And then uh, sound a gong and talk about a spoilerific point in the movie. So um, come on back. We're going to talk about Tony Erdman in its full and then a little spoiler talk after a gong right after this. Tony Erdman from Germany is directed by Maren Ada. It's written also by Ada. It stars Peter Semenichik and Sandra Uller, along with a whole bunch of other German people who I don't know. And Romanian. And Romanian people, yes. It's, it's a very, very multi, uh, a very, very international cast. Um, the the <laughs> center of this opus is a man named uh, Winifred Conradi. Uh, He's a... Um, old divorced music teacher who goes through this little bit of an existential crisis when his dog dies and uh, he can't celebrate his daughter's birthday was that the spoiler alert about the dog? no no the do- no the dog the dog it's, dies it's off really screen it's yeah yeah it's not it's not a violent death or anything like that um his daughter ennis that is uh that's Uller. um she's working these days in bucharest so he being in germany and she being in bucharest they don't get to spend a whole lot of time together but after this existential crisis uh winifred decides that he's just going to up and travel to Bucharest unannounced and, you know, hang out with his daughter, who is in the middle of some very, very big um, mergers and acquisitions as, as a consultant for these very, very um, high-valued companies, for these very, very white-collar companies. But, um, you know, try convincing Winifred that he should dial it down. Nope, he just keeps drifting in and out of his daughter's orbit and eventually takes on the persona of this man named Tony Erdman, this wigged, violet jacket wearing. It's a good jacket. Yeah, uh, yeah. Consultant with these bad teeth, and um, hilarity ensues. This is usually the time where I come up with some sort of witty introduction to the movie and ask a question, you know, hanging it on pop quiz hot shot. But I got to be honest, I got. Nothing, because this movie is just so unexpected in every single way. So maybe we should start there. 
when you saw this, because you saw this before me, you, you did see this back at TIFF. That's going yeah. to be the theme of the show. Did you have any kind of expectations going into this movie? Um, just the, you know, the, the essential, like the catchphrase, the prankster father tries to reconcile with his very straight laced daughter. Hilarity ensues. Okay. For two hours and 45 minutes. All right. Who's that con critics raving about it? Uh, I'd seen one of Ade's previous movies. Great. Sure. I'm sorry. Which, which one? Um, well, I've seen both, uh, both of them now, but everyone else I'd seen at the, at the time. I've now okay. seen the forest. forest for the trees for the trees. Yeah. Okay. We can talk about this later a bit. Um, so my expectations uh, were were that, and as you said, it's a whole bunch more than that. Uh, there are those pieces in it, but if you look at it simply like that, you're missing out on a whole bunch of things. You're missing out on, you know, father-child uh, relationships, um, woman trying to find her happiness within the world and not quite sure how to go about it, following conventions versus letting life hit you, uh, embracing improv, uh, the modernization of Europe. Jeez, I mean, that's five things almost off the top of my head. What what really does stick with me um, is it is more about her in, in, in so many ways than even though it's named after his fictional self. It is more about her and not just her breaking out of her shell and her finding a true path of happiness, but in a realization that she's missing out on so much in life, both, you know, from the family point of view, um, standing up for herself, finding those little things that make her happy instead of always looking at the bigger picture. Um, I think it rolls so much into that that it's, uh, it is quite brilliant. And if it wins the Oscar, it's more, more than well-deserved. So I did not know what to expect going into this because I did not see it at TIFF, even though I very well could have. I was doing the TIFF with the, the, with the women directors, and this totally qualified. Absolutely. Yeah. But I, it just, I couldn't work it into the schedule. It was a shortened schedule this year. Um, but through the summer after Ken and certainly after TIFF, this was one of those titles that I kept hearing. And I think I just caught glimmers in David Ehrlich's uh, video montage that he does at the end of the year. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And Which I, also, by the way, is probably one of the top 10 films of the year. His, his montage, awesome. it's, it's the best part of my December every year, yeah. including Christmas. Um, but I, I, I really didn't know what I was getting into. I think I had it in my head of this very arty, uh, visually lush movie that I, I you know, I kind of spent the first 30 minutes of this movie waiting, going, when does it get really pretty? <laughs> this is, this is kind of grimy. When does it, when does the pretty it, picture it start? That, that I believe is, is her style, at least in the three movies I've seen. But I, so but far, I, so, so I, I, I really, I, my, my expectations were, were really, really skewed and slanted and just completely up in the air. And I was still so caught unawares by this movie. Um, just in terms of what it is, how it goes about what it is, um, its pace, its patience, its pure humanity, um, I, I did not expect any of it. I, I thought it might be, as I said, I thought it might be more visually splendid and bourgeois. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, 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 I thought it was going to be slightly more kooky, kooky or something like that. I, and it is a kooky movie. This was not what I expected to get into. So it, I'm, I'm kind of with you there because uh, when I heard that the father was a prankster, I did expect kooky big setups with massive reveals, but it's not really the kind of prankster he is. I mean, mm -hmm. he wants to take people out of their comfort zone. He wants them to play with him and do that kind of almost improv thing. Like, oh, I'm going to be this now, and yeah. I'm the ambassador from this country, and <laughs> yeah. I'm waiting to see if you respond to that. Here's some apples from the embassy. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, but it never, I mean, it gets it gets kind of kooky, but not from a practical joke point of view, and I, I really love that, because I was going to like, oh, okay, that could become really annoying. Having said that, I could see why he could be a bit of an annoying <laughs> parent at times. Uh, they're very diametrically opposed in, in many points at the movie. But then you realize how much they really do share in common, too, which is a, another wonderful way that it ties things together towards the end when she starts to embrace certain aspects of what he's doing. Um, so, you know, obviously it kind of goes without saying you really like this movie. Very much so, yeah. It's easily in my top ten. Yeah, it's, and and this is this is actually one of those ones. I have seen a few movies since the end of the year that I really wish I could have slotted into 
like I, I kind of would like to redo my top five show, but it's one of those things of the top five show happens right before New Year's, and then what you see is what you see. And if you want to go back and you yeah. want to go back and rejig with it later, go ahead. But you know, just you, you so it, it would have been like top ten material for you. As well. It would have been top five material Fantastic. for me, absolutely. Um, this is a it's 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 really beautiful uh, story in the way that it's about both of them, right? Like it's very much about like it, it is so very much about her it's it's incredible that the 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 name of this movie is about there's not only a character that doesn't exist <laughs> you know he well he exists but not not only a character that is not the main person's name um but is also not really the main character and and you know if somebody wants to ryan is wrong that one go ahead because really um and truly for me i think that ns is the main character of this movie yeah, there's yeah. nothing that happens without her there Right. It it really it shifts perspective too because it opens with him. Yeah. The first scene is the front door of his house, and and then you see her for the first time. You know, with a window between them outside, you don't even hear her. Yeah. As the movie goes along, you, you do get more, and then you start actually following her, and he shows up. Yeah. And I, I guess it does sort of balance between them a bit. But, but more no mostly it, it mostly her. Like once in a while, her, he'll yeah, drift away and take the camera with him. But generally speaking, Innes is the is the engine that drives this movie. You know, it's like she's certainly the catalyst that says sets everything in motion, um, and, and it's all hanging on his desire to be closer to her. Um, yeah, no, I I I love this movie. If I if I didn't stick with it, I might. I, if I was a, like a less patient person, I wouldn't have had the kind of joy that I had. It's not the kind of movie that's going to reward somebody who's in any kind of a hurry. Absolutely, yes. Um, yeah. the, the the two. The two scenes that everybody talks about, and I assume one of them is the one you want to get to in the spoiler section, are late in the movie, but they pay off so, so handsomely. But it's also just um, the opening. No, but what I mean is just the opening of this of what is this about? Really and truly. Like you, the, oh, first, yeah. the yeah. first hour of this movie is, you know, finding out about him and going and following him off to the school and this little prank and that little prank. And then he celebrates with his daughter and, and his daughter goes off to Bucharest. And we we kind of follow her into this, you know, press conference, basically. This is really like glad handing white collar event. And by the time we're done with all of that, we're 45 minutes into this movie. And I'm, I'm asking, I'm like, what exactly is this going to be about? Yeah, but you think at some point he's he's gone visitor there. Somebody, and, and yeah, somebody, somebody, call the ball, please. And um, he's he's going to return, and that's that. And yeah. what's going to happen from there? Should come see him in Germany? No, it doesn't take that. Let's route. um, let's talk about Winifred for a second because he's a weird dude. This is an odd movie in many ways. I mean, especially I think I'm I'm not sure if Europeans. Uh, will view this differently, or, or German folks. I think from a North American sensibility, there there is an oddness to him, to the way people relate to each other, the way they talk to each other, to the reactions. Nobody ever quite reacts the way you think they well, might. Well, nobody like in I this think. Movie. What I think is, I think the thing with Winifred is I, I keep calling him Winifred. It's it's Winfried or something. Winfried. Let's call him Tony. Okay, Tony. Um, the thing about Tony is. I believe that he, at some point in life, realized nobody in Europe is going to call bullshit. That I can answer the door as two different people, that I can wear this kooky makeup, that I can put in my little fake teeth, and nobody is actually going to say, you, you got a little... You, you, you got some schmutz on you. You, 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 you know, nobody is... Because everybody is just too polite to say, dude, what the hell, although not what the hell... That he can just amuse himself with all of these weird scenarios, and that this you know this actor kind of perfectly embodies that because he's not the kind of guy who's going to get into a lot of these parties. He's not the kind of guy. He's the kind of guy he'll be in there, and everybody will be like, "What's with what's with the big guy in the corner?" But nobody's ever actually going to stop him at the door. <laughs> and it's like it's it's you know he's an older dude. He's I think he's like sixty thereabouts. It feels to me like he figured this out earlier on in life, and now he's just running with it. And he embodies it really, really well. And you really, I think, a part of this enjoyment, too, is seeing how people will react. And where he, and it's a challenge almost to himself. To himself I think. Can I get away with this? 
can I get away with this? And okay, when you react and question me about whether I'm the ambassador or, or what do I do for a living or whatever, all right, now now I'm on the spot. Now I'm going to get some joy from trying to figure out where I'm going to take this. Yeah. At, at times, it does feel like he's running an improv routine. Yeah. And he's, who's, <laughs> who's going to join me? Yes. And when, and... and when his daughter does on the odd occasion, I think, you know, in his mind, it's almost a breakthrough. It, it, it isn't necessarily at any of those junctures, but I think that's where you see that commonality between them. They can do that. It's just she has sort of shut that down because that goes against expectations. I should be doing this. Or I think that I should be doing this. Right. Uh, that's one read on it. That, that is. Now, you know, speaking of, you know, like when, when it comes to Innis. You ever wonder why she never really does call bullshit? Because let's be honest here. There is a, like this movie, there is obviously a lot professionally and personally riding on this week in her professional life. And, you know, dad, I love you, but it's not the time. Never gets spoken, never gets said. She never once really pulls him aside and said, what are you doing? Just every time she just goes along with it and, I, I don't know if maybe, you know, she realized earlier in life that it's just, you know, best not to feed the beast. <laughs> just easier to play along. Possibly. Um, yeah, there's a couple of scenes, too, where she could have called him out in front of other people. Yeah. Uh, one at a, at a bar, <laughs> a very amusing scene with two of her friends where she could have easily said, guys, this is my father. He's a bit of a kook. He's come to visit me and he's trying to play a joke on us. And that could have just diffused it. But she doesn't. And that's where she actually does kind of play along with it a bit. Well, although, well, although you can see that she's also not necessarily loving it. She's, no, but in that moment, like I think the thing was in that moment, she was a little, that was the one where I didn't expect it because in that <clears> moment, <throat> she was actually caught um, slightly humiliated because this is a scene where we hear her kind of, you know, speaking down on her father. That, right? that is like, true. That, this that's is, let, 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 let's be honest, that Tony and Ennis come from, two, uh, as they are when we find them in this movie, come from very two very different classes. Okay, like nothing wrong with either one of them, but Tony is very, very working class. He wears polo shirts, dumpy jeans. His hair looks like if it got cut, it was done at like the European equivalent of supercuts. And Ennis is much more about the look and the professional image and, you know, very composed, very tailored. Um, even just when we look, like we see her in this spa uh, you know, and, and she talks about like how the massage really isn't what a proper massage should be. And, oh, you're going to make it up to me? Well, okay, but it's going to be on the house, right? Like she's really, really. And then she really goes with the champagne and the orchestra. Yeah, and yeah, I know. The, so, yeah. you know, and, and so they're, they're two very, very different people. And in this moment that really sets the whole thing in motion, it's the first time we see Tony. She's caught speaking down on her father. Like she's, she calls out his existential crisis and He's right there, mm -hmm. right? So in that moment, because she was caught basically humiliated, like very, very deeply embarrassed by what she just said, knowing that her father had heard, I believe that one. I'm like, there's no way that she's calling bullshit now. You know, hey guys, that, that guy I just talked about, here he is. True. But, but after that, I'm like, at some point, she's just got to pull the plug on this. No? Okay. She And she does sort of roll with that too, because she does, I think, kind of, uh, I forget if she asks him a question or kind of... Uh, just goes with, along with his patter uh, at one point until he he, uh, he joins them at, at the table, I think, and speaks more with them. And at that point, she starts to shut down. Yeah. Um, that that must be very tough to deal with as as a daughter, as a child, a parent, a parent like that. I, 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 I'm happy to say I have no idea. <laughs> I hope that you don't either. Um, but no, Innes in this movie is by far like the most interesting thing about it she's very complicated she's she's juggling a lot of things at once and while tony is over in his corner you know playing his little games we're watching her basically like like try to get all of these things in life that she wants like you know everything from the relationship to the professional acceptance on both sides like she's got an underling that she's trying to mentor and 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 seem like she, that she's in control. Meanwhile, she's trying to get the approval of her superiors. It's a really really well crafted character. And again, she seems to be almost following convention. She has the the business boyfriend that you know they go for their trysts or whatever. But mm -hmm. you can tell she doesn't really have much passion for him. No, um, feels somewhat that he's kind of below her intellectually, and he is. Yeah. Um, and, and that relationship with the the underling, with her uh, um, 
assistant, I guess, is is absolutely wonderful. Yes. Uh, a young Romanian woman who, um, I, I looked her up. She's been in a few movies I've seen, actually. Um, she's not only lovely, but she's she's very, she's got this little sense of comedic timing and just her reactions, her facial expressions that add just so much to it. Um, but I, I love the fact that you pointed out that that's one of those relationships that Anka, she... by the way, is the character Anka, we're talking yes. about. Anka. That she is... Kind of expected. I expect. I, I'm. I'm expected to mentor somebody, and I don't think she necessarily plays it well until she really realizes that. Wow, this woman has done a whole lot for me. Yeah. Um, realize that she's picked out her apartment and and, and other things. Um, that's one of those very minor characters in the movie a, that just in a moment really that we'll talk about perfect. later because yes. it, it, it's like it, you know it's a moment that in any you know, professional story does take place, but not really like the way it does in this movie. It's given me a whole other attitude to team building. Uh, yeah, yeah, no yeah, kidding. Yeah. Um, did you like, do you have a preference of the personal story versus the professional story in this movie? Uh, the, the personal is far more interesting for sure. The, the professional certainly adds some layers given the contrast between the modern day Romanian and Bucharest and, um, the, the the poverty that you see mm -hmm. uh, on the outskirts and, mm -hmm. and when they go to one of the oil refineries and what you see around there is it's squalor yeah right so there there's the obvious kind of thing that they're bringing up but the way they bring it up in this context of this is what she's striving for and she's actually tr essentially trying to help broaden that gap and I think that is part of what she's struggling with um, in what she really wants is I, I think that the transfer to Shanghai and there's been promises made and the promises keep being made but nothing ever happens uh, I can't remember if it's Shanghai or Singapore um, so she's doing this to get there but I think there's this this at some point she's realizing that there's a cost to this or yeah. she should be realizing that um, whereas uh, Tony her dad actually there is a, a moment in the movie where he does something just as a lark, as a little bit of a joke, and there is a consequence to somebody else. He realizes it right away. And she sees that moment and kind of goes, oh, that's, that's fine. It's going to happen anyway. It just means one less person that I have to essentially fire. Whereas he, he gets it right away that I've actually caused an injury to somebody. Yeah. And she is so blocked and focused on something with, that she thinks will bring us her happiness, she's forgetting about the rest the rest of humanity to really kind of generalize that. And I think that's a very interesting way to kind of tie it back, that economic situation, to her own kind of problems. Well, what you bring up that I always love in a movie like this is the core question of, are you happy? You know, yeah, you, you've got these splendid clothes and you eat in these very exclusive restaurants and stay at these very posh resorts where if a massage doesn't go your way, you can get club sandwiches and she champagne on the house. She about having had a massage. Yeah, you know, um, but at the end of the day, when you go home alone, are you happy? You know, I've said this over and over of you can work as hard as you want. You can make as much money and provide for as many people as you want. But at the end of the day, if you are just stressing yourself to death and, you know, missing out on life because you think you're doing something that you, you may not be as happy as you think you are. And this movie really balances the two because you've got on the one hand her really driving to do this sort of thing that will make her feel and and not to knock it because you know it, it's it's her world this professional world that she's in is a very very dude centric world right like more than once they're like well this may offend the feminist in you uh, yeah, they, and she even says she's like ah I'm not a feminist right well yeah. and, and so okay sure but you know I I would ask her if I had one question it would be are you happy you know and is, she is, is asked that question yeah. By her father and yeah. that leads to uh obviously her defenses go right up yeah she spins that into essentially you know well what is happy and and there she has this whole long kind of speech that really starts tearing at him mm -hmm. as to you know well what are, what are you what's the happiness in your life what are you doing and essentially like you know is is it enough to just put whooping cushions under people yeah uh, i forget if it's that same moment when he asked that question or not but she, she comes around to that obviously because she's been wondering that herself and he's yeah. he's he scratched that uh, that scab. Yeah. yeah. So this, of course, leads us into one key question of a movie like this, and that is <laughs> runtime. Because if I told you, hey, Bob, 
We're going to go tonight and we're going to watch a German movie about happiness and fathers and daughters and professional aspirations and personal, you know, uh, reward. And it's two hours and 45 minutes. Buckle up, baby. I'm there. <laughs> This movie, it could just be, you know, the, the European system that it comes out of or the clout that um, uh, Ada has built up for herself, but it does not rush anything. It lets every joke build a slow, slow burn. It lets every moment draw itself out. It lets every look to out the window of contemplation just linger to the tune of two hours and 45 minutes. Like that is, that is Scorsese silence length, right? <laughs> two shows ago, I was talking about how two hours and 45 minutes of spiritual crisis might've been too long. And yet here I am again, trying to tell people, yeah, go watch these Germans in Bucharest have their father-daughter drama and I, I for two hours and 45 minutes. I haven't minutes. seen Silence yet, and I, obviously I want to see that as well. Block off a day. Yeah. Th this is an easier sell in that the two hours and 45 is, for me, well worth it because, not just because it takes a its time, and it does, but scene to scene, moment to moment, you're not quite sure not only where it's going, but what are they saying? How will they react? Who's going to show up next? What will they be wearing? And it, it's not that it flies by either. I, I did, you know, personally towards the end, kind of like, oh, there's still another 10 minutes. Even the second time viewing, it's like, oh, there's another 10 minutes left. It, you know, it feels a little long from that perspective. But that's not meant as a criticism. I'm not saying, oh, they could have trimmed it a bit. No, I don't think they should. Or I guess they could, but I don't think they should. Because you get a really, really strong perspective of both these people, of their surroundings, and of, of what they're struggling to, to kind of grasp. See, at, the only right? thing I worry, though, is I worry that that makes it a really tough sell. Like, I, I especially it because does. a lot of, it like, does. let's be honest, most yeah. people are going to come to this at home, you know? And I know a lot of people these days are getting really, really dodgy about anything that's over 100 minutes. You tell people to read a movie in, you know, a German dry comedy. Although much of it is in English, too. There's a lot of it in English, but and still. Some you, and some Romanian. In some Romanian, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a bit more you know, it's, it's very international, but you, you, you tell them, you know, Get comfy and take the phone off the hook and the plastic off the couch for two hours and 45 minutes of, of, of German existentialism. I think that that's going to scare a lot of people off. I, I'm sure it will. And, and you know, uh, we being movie buffs, and I think most people probably reading your blog or listening to this, or, or listening to this are probably movie buffs as well. I don't think we have any trouble reading subtitles. Uh, I don't think that's ever necessarily a major issue. Granted, you know, a, a long four or five hour period of reading subtitles can, can be a bit taxing. I've never found that an issue because if a movie is moving, and even a slow-paced movie like this has very long scenes, it moves. Scenes, uh, yeah. it moves because you're engrossed in the characters. You're you're wondering what's going to happen next. You're invested in the movie, and it shouldn't matter. I know it does. Uh, hey, I love it when I see a movie with a seventy-nine minute runtime. Yeah. <laughs> I get back two in tonight, uh, like the classic film noirs. It's fantastic. Yeah. But regardless, I mean, once you start watching this movie and you do find that way into it, um, it's well worth the two hours and forty-five minutes. Uh, I can easily say that. Am I going to recommend it to everybody I see? Well, typically I have to kind of judge what they're looking for, what they like, and I'll still say it's great. Yeah. Maybe couch it a bit. But um, it's a shame you kind of have to. I, I'd love to just be able to say this was my favorite movie or one of my favorite movies because of these reasons and not get into that. But pragmatically, yes, uh, 165 minutes is a chunk of time. You know, this is going to be, you know, the, the day I went to see this, the news came down that this is going to be remade in Hollywood with Jack Nicholson and Kirsten Wigg. I'm sorry, what? Yeah, very soon too. And, I'm, you know, that was one of the things I thought in my, my head is not so much oh, hell, they're going to remake it, or oh, hell, it's going to be set in America, but oh, hell, they're going to cut it down. But I think one of the reasons why you and I have responded so well to this movie is because it isn't prankster father, career-focused woman. It's it's not just that. It, it, Even the it way is she so yells at him. Like, like, she does scold him on yeah. more than one occasion, but well, I can... Well, hide out in somebody's closet. I mean, well, I know. I can already see in my head how that scene is going to play... In, in, in a North American movie because it's just it's going to be far more frenetic 
just because it, it would be. doesn't matter which actor or which actress you give that to, it's going to be much more frantic of a conversation. And that's the thing, is that in this, you can still tell that she's really pissed. Every time he shows up, she is just not amused, right? I think there's one time where she's high, and it's like, yeah, okay, fine. But every other time, she's just like, oh, son of a bitch. And I don't feel that that's going to roll and, and onto the American version Jack quite Nicholson much. in that role, too. Again, um, we're going to move ahead in a bit to that, that spoiler section. But before we do, um, we need a souvenir. Um, something tangible or intangible that if you could, you would take away from this movie and keep in your pocket. Uh, Bob Turnbull, Eternal Sunshine, A Logical Mind. <laughs> what would be your souvenir from Tony Erdman? Oh, man. There, there are so many to choose from. Um, I'm going to look at uh, pastry trays differently as well. <laughs> um, just briefly on, on, on uh, a specific scene that you mentioned, the, the sex scene. Not to get into details about it, but I found that interesting. That scene so interesting because as she enters into it, she seems almost resigned, a little bit resigned to like, yeah, I'm going to have sex with my... <clears throat> boyfriend in this hotel room yay and then he says something about what her boss said about her and it, it's a very diminishing kind of remark and she doesn't react immediately but then there's this sort of subtle change in her attitude towards things where she's like oh yeah i'm gonna take control of the situation where he's ready to go yeah. she's like I, I i need a little bit more time i'm gonna watch and you can see her just start to assume control and the final act in that scene, which we won't reveal, um, is really kind of like, yeah, you didn't think I was going to do that? Yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, screw you. I own this. Oh, and it, it almost you it, pervy it really diminishes him. And yet, you know, he ends up satisfied and then he goes on the computer and then he's la la la, nothing happened. Yeah. That scene, is, it won't be the thing that, that I pull from this movie. There's so many other scenes and moments, but that was certainly one which we haven't talked about. I could, I could kind of talk about it and say, like, that was an amazing moment in many ways where she went, well, at least I got that. At least I got you there. Yeah. It, it, it's very degrading in some ways, but it's kind of like, yeah, I decided to do that. And I did that. And screw you. Uh, for, my, uh, for my souvenir, my souvenir should surprise nobody, but it's a song. Um, Jesus Christ! We didn't even talk. Sorry, we didn't even talk about that. Well, like you know, th that's the thing. There's, there's, there's actually that, so much to talk about in this movie. Like that every, is, that is every one of the most room these people walk into is just, you know, chaos waiting, controlled chaos waiting to happen. And late, very, very late in this movie, we get the scene where she and her father and Tony walk into this dinner party, this like Easter dinner party. And he says, well, we're going to entertain you with a song. And you're like, what? Are you, are you kidding me? You're going to entertain me with a song? And they play Whitney Houston. And she, you know, like, again, she seems very resigned. She's like, all right, we're doing this. And then she just lets loose. She you know, like, it's, it's like, it. yeah, it's like, it's karaoke night. And she's just going to go for it. We rate here on the matinee cast on a scale of one to four stars. Robert Turnbull, what do you give <sighs> Germany's? Tony Erdman. I forgot you rate. I do. Um, I was going to say three and a half because I, I rarely give four, but th this is in my top five as well for the year. Uh, and because of how unique this is, how memorable it is, how many things we could have talked about and haven't yet, I will give it four stars because it is a tremendous film. This absolutely is a four star movie because on paper it is so damn simple. So, so very simple. Even in its execution, I mean, it, it like it's not, it's never really flashy visually. It's never really flashy in its cutting, in its score. It it just it lets itself unfold at its own good time, and we love it for that. And it is so beautiful, so unique, so warm, and very very funny in a lot of moments um, that just you know, come at, at the pace that they're supposed to arrive. This is a four-star movie. Hey, maybe we're wrong. Maybe you think this movie is a piece of crap. Maybe you think this movie is even better than we're giving it credit for, even though we both gave it top marks. Let me know. Ryan at the matinee.ca, Twitter, where I'm matinee underscore CA, or facebook.com slash darkmatinee. What did you think of Tony Erdman? We're going to sound the spoiler gong and talk about that scene right after this. You do this back, 
whole world of truth is back. You ain't gotta argue about who can rap, cause the proof is back. Just go through my rap. New York. All right, Bob, let's talk about that scene. And here's the funny thing is that I had heard word of that scene for a few weeks or months before I actually saw this movie. And something came up and I'm like, was that that scene? Something came up. I was like, no, maybe that was that scene. And then we got there. I'm like, oh, oh now we're in scene. that scene. <laughs> so to put a point on it in case anybody hasn't, you know, has come this far. Late in this movie, she's throwing a party and she's not really happy with her dress and she just decides, screw it, we're gonna have a naked party. Not a sex party, it's gonna be everybody's team building. Naked party, you wanna come in, you're gonna take off your clothes. And she does and her first guest is like, no, I'm not doing this. Hangs out for a while, but then is like, mm, then you can't stay. And she owns it and you know, and it's not, none of this scene is meant to titillate at all. Um, her boss arrives, sees her naked, it's like, here's some wine, and off he goes. The, uh, you know, the underling, Anka, Anka, is like, well, I was told that if I was naked, I couldn't come in. And she comes, and, you know, like, it's just, so she's the one. That who, might be my favorite part of the movie, actually. It's, it's her just like, okay. Well, I don't, see, here's the thing. I she, feel like. She just shows up, and she's like, oh, I, I But I, I mean, I okay, but here's the thing. Both you and I know that there was a scene happening at the same time as that scene where she was in her car thinking, I really need this job. I really need this job. I really need to get ahead. Okay, let's just take it all off. Uh, you know, I'm still young and cute. Okay, this will be okay. And she comes and she goes, and you're sure it's not a sex thing? Right, right. <laughs> so as it stands, we've got this naked party that doesn't ever really get off the ground properly. And then in walks a Yeti. <laughs> I feel like this is the beginning of a joke. Yeti-ish. You know, a, a Yeti walks into a naked party. You know, and then... <laughs> <laughs> and then what happens? And says nothing. Um, and then leaves. I mean... It, it's it's wonderful because it's not like she planned this. It ties back to her just going with... Like, she's getting out of this dress. Like you said, she's uh, not happy with it. Gets stuck. The doorbell rings. And is in a situation like... Ah, I'm, I'm, I, I pretty much have to go and answer the door naked now. I'm going to own it. And kind of makes it up as she goes. Yeah. She comes up with naked party as she's standing there at the door naked and and runs with it. And it really ties back to that that theme of not just improv, but really kind of like just, yeah, embrace the situation for all the screw-ups, for all the, you know, things you're trying to do well, that go wrong. For all the absurdity of and it, go right? Like, it and, that, that's the thing. Is, and don't lose the humor. I do no, believe, as Tony said earlier on in the movie. Yeah, and, you know, and, I, and, and it, be, it becomes an interesting little cross-section of, who can go with it? Who can't go with it? Who takes what to go with it? Like the boss does return. He goes, you know, I had a beer, you know, and here I am. And, and he's, like, he's got the bag covering his goodies. Um, you, you know, her, her, her boyfriend. The boyfriend and, does not go with it. No, which I mean, you know, he's in he's in pretty good shape. He should have no problem. Yeah. But but one of the reasons he doesn't go for it is like, oh, they're all they're all in there, and I'm going to go in naked, and you're going to make fun of me, right? Really, just emphasizing. This is the wrong guy for you. We all knew that. We all knew that he's weaker than you. Thank you for re-emphasizing that. But I mean, whereas Anka just says, "Well, yeah. Not only do I need this job, but that is my job. I am devoted to you, and I, I will go with it, and I will not question. Well, I may question a little bit." It kind of feels like at this point, like Ada was thinking to herself, "How can I really just tie this all together? How can I take all of these pieces that I've laid down and put the puzzle together in a way that really, really emphasizes the point?" And that's when she throws in the Yeti. Like, she very easily could have thrown Tony naked into this, and it would have been hysterical. Okay? She could have thrown in... She, she There's all... She could have thrown him in in full dress, and it would have been fine. To throw him in in the Yeti costume and have him say nothing. Even though he's standing there with his naked daughter and naked cohorts. Yeah. You know, and they're all startled, and they're all bewildered. And he just wanders back and forth through this party, like which isn't really like you know we keep saying party. It's three people hanging out and drinking <laughs> wine, right? And eventually having some snacks. And you know, at a certain point, they're like, oh, "Okay, this is done." And but, a few more Romanians join. And them a few more Romanians do join them. Yes, it's the sweetest nude scene I have ever seen. Thank you for saying that, actually, because, because it's it's Anka is very sweet in this scene, and she's she's lovely. All, but all she's gorgeous, of them, but, like we've got this very sweet. very exactly. Like, we've got this very very even the macho, boss, who, like, the boss is very yeah. He's, you know, he's there's moments to, in the movie you're, you're you not just exactly don't really like him. him, and then he leaves, and when he comes back, she's like, right on, dude. Yeah, 
Yeah, you know. Whether it's for the right reason or not, you're just like, all right, you're going to go with this. Yeah. It's a team building thing. Yeah. You know, and he's saying like... <laughs> you I gave her the idea. Well, and yeah. he's saying like, I don't know what's going on with our team. See what you can come up with. Just make a prank. You know, and, and really, truly, the, the team should be able to go with this. And and, and then a Yeti shows up. Um, that she I, then chases down the street afterwards. Yeah. And, and you know culminates in one of the best shots of the year you know like that when i that, again that hug that hug at the end is is wonderful and it, i i i really caught it the second time whether it was intended or not because this costume is so huge he towers over him and it's gargantuan so when they hug it is really truly like a father hugging his child yes and it's all encompassing and she's wrapped in his arms and just folds right into him such a it's, beautiful, beautiful moment. The that, thing that uh, I love is that it's actually the poster for this movie. and Which I hadn't realized, I, again, until I saw the, the poster after the second view. I was like, oh, that, that's what that is. But it's I like mean, if you, you would not have any earthly clue what you're looking at and what it means until you get there. It is the complete opposite of the average hollywood poster which is just a bunch of floating heads and hero shots this is a specific this is says everything about the story and everything about what you're in for and all of its absurdity and loveliness in one image and until you get to that image you have no idea what it means at all and nor will you have any kind of tip off and you until have you to get see there. that image and say okay i'll go with that yeah i'll see what that um, leads it's it's an incredible scene and like that alone is worth two hours and 45 minutes of your time because you get there you got a little denouement at the end of that you got like 10 minutes or so like you were saying you got like yeah, 10 minutes yeah. or so after that but that alone is worth the entire runtime just to get to this i really truly iconic scene well that and uh, and especially the song too when when i saw it at tiff oh, that was like i thought i thought the song was that scene which is a fantastic scene. Right, but, but no, so, there's more. When, when they say that scene, folks, they really, really mean that scene, and it is joyful. So that is Tony Erdman in all of its uh, glory, in all of its Yeti wonderfulness, and Bob is looking over his there's pages more. and pages. Oh, there's, there's more. I know, but again, I'm trying to keep it short. We'll be back right after this. We're going to do a little bit of a truncated other side uh, right after this quick break. So we're going to do the uh, kind of more slapdash version of the other side. We, we didn't pick uh, two movies to talk about. Uh, we're going to kind of a little bit uh, play some jazz and talk about other movies that this reminded us of, some some a longer list of, of further reading, if you will, um, because in a lot of ways this movie is very unique, so it's kind of hard to marry it up with just one. Um, what did you? What were the kind of movies that really came to mind for you when you came away from Tony Erdman. And you have you're you actually have me at a disadvantage because you have had much more time to do with this movie than I have. I've I've been yeah, I, this I, I kinda okay. wish I had better answers, but I'll, I'll I'll give you the ones that sort of came to mind um, after you asked me this question late yesterday. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> uh, the, the first two obviously are her two previous films. So everyone else and the force for the trees. Tell people what those are about because I, I feel so like So everyone audience... else uh, uh, I forget what, when it came out, to be honest. 2009, maybe? Uh, a while ago. Uh, it, it's about a couple. Uh, they kind of go through questioning their own relationship as they go on a bit of a holiday, uh, go for a long hike with another couple, and, you know, the sort of back and forth on that, both a little bit insecure, uh, both really realizing that they love the other person, not sure if they are loved back. Uh, so there's a, and a lot of it comes from perspective again so there's a different relationship at play there and a different kind of focus there, on is the woman really looking at the right things to really grab are happiness? there tropes that really marry the two movies like did you notice things in this that you noticed uh, in i saw it a while ago so i i, I can't, can't really, really say, okay. yeah, say uh one that i did see much more recently the force for the trees her 2003 2004 i think uh, i guess her first long running film, although it's only about 78 minutes, oh, so hey. yeah, yeah, it's your, or 81 or something, is um, really more about the single woman who is so awkward. Uh, <laughs> there are moments in this movie that you are cringing so hard. So it's not entertaining, but 
it's really well done. Okay. And it's this young teacher who's moving to the city, and life doesn't quite go the way she thinks it's going to go. She's struggling well, at her, right? yeah. She's struggling at her job, and she struggles in finding friends. So she kind of finds one. Really awkward socially. Keeps making mistakes, and 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 finally has a, a well a breakdown of sorts. Um, again, it's it's about a woman's struggle to really find out what is not just meaningful, but what you know she, she's searching in many ways. So I think that's that sort of common line to see through those three movies and a woman trying to struggle with a relationship with herself, with her boyfriend, with her father. The um, the first one that I came up with because I kind of latched on to the unconventional parent. Uh, story in this movie is I thought, and I know actually this is going to be one that's kind of near and dear to your heart. Um, I thought about the Canadian film from I think it was like 2006 thereabouts. Uh, I thought about Starbuck. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, this is the story. It was remade. It, it was also remade into an American movie uh, with Vince Vaughn called Delivery Man uh, where one particular um, sperm donor has managed to sire dozens and dozens of children and the word comes down that this has happened but nobody really seems to know except for him uh but news does get back to the kid but he decides when he finds out about it he decides to start looking into their files and do be be, do right by them in a kind of clandestine way like he goes and he meets them seemingly very innocently but and, and he'll you know help out this one and help out that one and kind of become become a fatherly person or even just become like the friend to these people who sometimes really really need a friend and you know i I, when i came away from tony erdman i'm like this is the alternative guide to parenting right this is not the the this is not the mentoring version provoking yeah exactly and i you know don't get me wrong starbuck is is not the provoking starbuck is actually very much more the mentoring and the companionship and that part of it but i like these ideas of the unconventional parent child relationship and also that how it's and what what is that commonality between that parent and that child um either you know from the environment that they're raised in or in starbuck's case more the genetic line is there any kind of commonality between them or individually is there you know this parent and that child have a similar emotional response and these two share a sense of humor. You know, that's an interesting aspect to it as well. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that was one for me. Did you have another one? I had a, a couple others that sort of sprung to mind. Um, two from the point of view of people who think they're happy or think they're supposed to be doing what they think they're supposed to be doing and right. realize uh, through one way or another that, no, that's not the life I want. Uh, Demolition. Recently, not my favorite movie, but it's Jean-Luc oh, Okay, yeah. Jeez, uh, The Fisher King. <laughs> totally. Oh, yeah, Escape okay. my mind. You know, somebody who realizes that maybe that that's not what life is. Um, that's not the kind of person I want to be. Demolition um, is a funny movie because I kind of feel like a, like a certain one, I kind of feel like that movie got forgotten last year it, it uh, did it was mainstream release in what april spring yeah, yeah like yeah, yeah it was it was about a year ago it, it opened tiff uh not tiff 2016 it opened tiff 2015 and uh you know it, it's it's by jean-marc valet who of course you know you and i are both drinking the kool-aid on him mm-hmm. but it's very much about um you know a person who is newly single and how he deals and 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 a father and how he deals and uh, you know, I, I, because grief is so personal, I kind of feel like that's almost an impossible subject to to try and put into a movie like that, and that may be why it didn't hit for for a few people. It's a tough. It's it's got an odd tone to it as well. In, in cases, it's sometimes fun and sometimes a little too on the nose with its metaphors, which it also refers to. Yeah, it even speaks about how you could be too on the nose with the metaphors. But it is about somebody who essentially tries to blow up their life to kind of actually find out what is going to make me happy. Right. Uh, and Fish King is somewhat similar. Um, but those are both focused on two male characters. And from a female perspective, two that jumped to mind was, well, another Jean-Marc Vallée film, Wild, and uh, Emily Lee, which is mm. different. I mean, Emily Lee is somebody who tries to find the joyful little things in life. You know, the, the feel of putting her hand in a sack of grains right. and stuff like that, but also is deeply lonely, too. And Wilde is somebody who is trying to figure out, how can I find joy in a life that's been a lot of misery so far? Those are the ones I, I sort of thought of. I couldn't think of a really good example of a 
you know, the obvious career woman who was too focused to miss out on the, you know, the life around her. Well, they're out there. Okay, but I, well, I, I got one example. from that, actually. And it, it's kind of a weak example because, but I think it's, it also serves as a good example because it's actually two stories in one. And both stories probably could have been their own movie, but this filmmaker decided to jam them both together. Uh, last year, I watched a film called The Intern which is directed by Nancy Myers, and it's the one starring Robert De Niro and Anne Hathaway, and Hathaway playing the CEO of this web startup, um, you know, shopping uh, operation, and Robert De Niro playing the intern at, uh, you know, 70-something, who wants to get back out there and work. He's like, I'm not ready to go on an ice flow just yet. I think I have something to offer the world. I'm going to go be an intern at this you know, much, much younger office and see what I can offer. So, you know, you have the story of him trying to basically act as both in, in, in a way he'd actually probably have a lot of common with Anka because he's the one who's always following along and trying to earn his keep and earn his place. Um, but at the same time, he's somebody who's already come through the, 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 you know, the work life gone on to retirement, found that retirement wasn't for him and said, I'm going to go back to work life. But, Along with all of that, you have the Anne Hathaway story, and that's actually the thing is that the movie is called The Intern, but it spends a great deal of its runtime talking about the boss, mm. and the boss has an interesting story of her own right because she's trying to balance this business, this site that she's built from the ground up that she loves, that she wants to run in a certain way. She has to learn how to deal um, – as I believe many young CEOs do with an older workforce. Um, you know, like we talk about growing up, I always thought that the older workforce had no idea how to deal with the younger generation coming in. And now I actually think it's very much different. I think it's a younger generation does know how to deal with an older workforce that they have to kind of draw from and figure out what are your strengths. That's in this movie. It's not played up as much as it could be because you got to balance it all with this Robert De Niro mushigas. But there's that, and there's also her dealing, her balancing it with the home life, which I think any female CEO has a really, really tough hand to play there because there's all these expectations on what your role. Yeah, you're seven twenty four. What you're, yeah, there's there's all these expectations on what your role in the family dynamic is supposed to be, and what that says about your partner and 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 or your child. Um, it's messy. It is like it is really, really messy, really chaotic. It's not what I call a great movie possibly not even a good movie at some points, but I believe it's got interesting things to say. Okay. And, you know, in in an example of a successful businesswoman and the challenges that she faces, I think it's actually a pretty good example. I have not seen it. I, I, and I think uh, a lot of people did. De Niro is not the biggest pull in the world no. these days from a movie perspective. But, well, uh, and here's the thing is that in this movie, he's very – he's dialed down. He's never playing goofy. He's he He is playing what he is on paper. He's playing – a 70-something-year-old a retiree who decides, I'm going to go back to work. And he's never trying to – he's never sitting there like yelling at what Twitter is. He's never, you know, trying to keep up with, with Slack. He's, you know, he's he's not a Wait, techno – a 70-year-old on Twitter? Uh, no, but I mean – That would be disastrous. But I mean what it what – it, like what I love is he, you know, he kind of bridges this gap in between the boomers and the millennials and says, okay, here's what you're doing. And here's what we used to do. And here's how I think that can work with what you want to do and how you can make it better. And, you know, this is this is how I was raised. So you want to get the girl? Here's how you can get the girl. Why don't you go do this? And, you know, like, and all of a sudden, all these little, like, you know, 22-year-old, 24-year-old interns start following him around like he's the Pied Piper and he'll teach them <laughs> how to get the girls, which is really sweet to see. So that that would be my it's, – it's a really weird companion film. But I, well, I like the uh, the point about the the younger people trying to figure out the older people because I mean millennials and we've all heard that term way too much, but that rough gen generation is now about half the workforce. So yeah, that that is now shifting. Now they are the people who are grabbing the positions of power, and us older folks, as I point at me anyway, um, yeah, it's a, it's a different dynamic for sure. And that's you know, and, and that comes up in Tony Erdman as well. Is is you know the different generations within the workforce because the person that she's trying to impress is older than she and and part of the deal with that is oh well i have to kowtow to your wife who's not really inappropriately young but is you know <laughs> kind of my age and i've also got to you know pull along this this young girl who's right out of school and kind of play 
older sister and sometimes den mother to her. And, you know, this it, it's that's been kind of the interesting thing for me as I get older in the workforce of seeing how I fit with the older ones and the younger ones and how it has to all work to keep the machine rolling. Um, it's, it's, it's in both movies. It's definitely in The Intern. It's certainly in Tony Erdman, better in Tony Erdman. Um, but something I think could possibly be explored a lot more. Did not see that recommendation coming. Uh, you know, I'm full of surprises. That is episode 171 of the Matt Cast. Come on back on Monday, February 27th for episode 172. No idea what we're talking about yet, but I can promise you it's not going to be The Great Wall or Fifty Shades Darker. Bob uh, doesn't really keep up the logical mind that much, but you can still find him on Twitter. Where can people find you uh, yelling about the sky? Um, the logic at the logical mind. Very nice. Um, occasionally, I'll write on row three. I have my oh, top yes. ten on there. I did write about everybody wants some. Of course, you did. One of the best movies of the year. I I'm gonna put this out here on the air. I wanna I want a montage sometime soon. It's been far too long. Uh, it's since been we've had a six turn- and a half years. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's been far too long since we've had a Turnbull montage. I really miss them. I have thought about one or two. It's just it's just really thinking of the appropriate. Make it happen. My site is thematinee.ca for more audio Thank content. You. you can you're welcome. You can find back episodes by going to thematinee.ca slash podcasting. You can also find them on Stitcher, Blueberry, Apple's podcast app, Pocket Cast, and the iTunes store. Everything gives you ways to subscribe for free and get alerts when new episodes drop. Feedback on Tony Erdman on any of those movies from the other side, or hey, why I'm wrong can be left in the comment section of the site. You can email ryan at matinee.ca or Twitter where I am matinee underscore CA or facebook.com slash dark matinee. Any final thoughts, buddy? Let me go through my 17 Would pages you? of notes on the movie. <laughs> uh, Would you like some pretzels to go? <laughs> we have homemade pretzels, by the way, and they're fantastic. Thank you, Lindsay. Um, thank you, Lindsay. That's my final thought. There we and, go. and thank you, sir. This oh. is always enjoyable. Thank you. For Bob, I'm Ryan. We'll see you at the matinee.